You are now listening to the Charity Church Podcast. Well, well, once again, thank you for tuning in to our post-sermon podcast. It's Pastor Marty and Tommy D. Tommy D, my good friend Tommy D. We always enjoy getting in here and just bantering back and forth and discussing, you know, the message on Sunday. Can I just say, uh, this whole series was great, but boy... You waited till the bases were loaded to hit the grand slam on this one. As far as well, thank you, Tom. I, I mean, as far that. as if your goal was to just absolutely drop kick people right in the gut, mission well, accomplished. I think the I wanted to add an exclamation point to the whole series, and I think I've told you this, and I may have even said it on this podcast that some of it for me felt a little bit repetitive, and even I had someone come up to me after the sermon and they go. Have you preached that before? And I was like, no, because I've never preached that text. I've, I've referred to that text right. before, but I've never preached that text expositorily like that. Um, but a lot of what I've what I said probably has been said before, either by you or me, because sure. some of the phrases that we, yeah. even the bottom line is one that it's a repetitive phrase. We've used it. We've heard it. Um, you know, there's nothing new under the sun, so to speak. So. Well, there's there's old saying that leaders are repeaters. That's what I've heard. Yeah, I've heard it. And, uh, you know, and you know what? This is one that um, I think you could preach this message right here for the next fifty two weeks, and we would benefit from it each time. Every time, if we were honest. I mean, when you not only and I loved at the end of the service you had, you know, there were multiple pastors up there, but then we also had deacons up there for the response mm-hmm. that you were anticipating and and was received, which was great. Um, one lady came up and gave her life to Christ after hearing wow. it. Wow. Um, That's great. But but, Very good. but I also was sitting there thinking, well, I know you want me standing up there. What if I need to go to the <laughs> altar? <laughs> oh. Well, you know, I and it's one of those messages that it it's, it, it's so applicable to every phase of life that we're in. You know, from the time that we understand that we are sinners and that we are going to struggle with certain, certain things. Um, one of our children, you know, when they were growing up and I'm not going to say who it was, but they had a problem with lying and now they don't, not that I know of, unless they're lying to me, um, (laughs) that propensity towards sin that we're, that we have. And so we all deal with, we, we all deal with temptation. We all deal with, what is my life going to look like? And so, you Isn't know, it funny how it kind of changes over time too. Yeah. I think most of us probably deal with lying when we're a kid. Right. And then obviously going your teenage years and you probably struggle more with lust than you do lying. Mm-hmm. Then you get in the business world and you start tasting success and all of a sudden you start struggling with coveting and, yeah. and I mean, it kind of, it changes. Right with your life. But. Yeah. When I was a kid, I was a kleptomaniac. I remember I went to a, uh, <laughs> I went to this, I think it was a clothing store for women. I, I barely remember it, but I do remember it because, you know, I was old enough to remember this. It was out in Texas when we lived out there. And I remember I was playing, they had a corner set up for children and you could play with these toys. Well, there was a little horse that I liked. And so I put it in my pocket and I I'm in the car. That's back before you were in, you know, you didn't have to be in a car seat or a seat belt. And I'm like on the back dash of the car oh, making this yeah. horse bounce around. And my mom looks in the rear view mirror and she said, where'd you get that? And 
you know, I don't remember how I responded, but she realized that I had stolen that from that store and she made me go back. Can I? And give that to am, them. Am I allowed to vent for one second? <laughs> I guess. Because, well, first of all, before <laughs> I get into my, my tangent, this whole time you've told the entire church family that you cut your finger off in the lawnmower. Now we know <laughs> that you got caught stealing <laughs> and whack. Yeah. Um, and, and it was going to be a joint per, you know, I'm always going to cut it off one joint it, per man. week if I didn't learn That'll this learn lesson. You. I learned it quickly, you know. That um, was <laughs> but I, but I, you're exactly right. The way your mom handled that is the way all of our parents handled it back in the day. The yeah. last thing you'd want to do is still because your butt was going to be back in the store. You were going to find the store manager and you were going to apologize to them for what you Acknowledge did. Acknowledge the wrong that you had done. Our society has stopped doing that kind no, of thing. Now our society would say they shouldn't have those toys in there to tempt those children exactly. like that. Yep. No, not back in the day. No. I had to go back and confess it, and I probably got a spanking when I got home. Oh, the, the worst thing you could do <laughs> was still because you were about to be humiliated, right. and then your butt was going to get worn out, like yeah, you said. I, I never struggled with stealing after that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> never. That I can remember anyway. I remember also, I don't remember if this is before or after that, so I can't say emphatically that I didn't struggle. I stole two pencils one time, one for me, but I stole one for my brother also. <laughs> so just trying to make you a better student, just making sure we were sharing, That's right. you know? So, but yeah, we finished it or up. Or if you were going down, you weren't going down I alone. I wasn't going down alone. No, I'll say Richie got that. He's the one that took that. Uh, legacy. It's what we remember about a person. And when your life is nothing but a story to tell, what story do you want to be told? And so this week we finished it off with personal legacy and really, um, when it comes to temptation, when it comes to life-altering decisions, it comes down to one of three things, passion, prosperity, or power. It's passion, prosperity, or power. It's lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's those three things. So we could categorize all of our temptations under usually one of those three. And, uh, and, and so as we looked at that, we, we looked at the story of Jacob and Esau from Genesis chapter 25, story most of us as followers of Christ are familiar with. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, and I was telling you this, sometimes I'm tempted to run to a commentary and listen to read someone else's thoughts on a passage before I just dig in. But my most effective sermon prep and Bible study is when I just let the, the text itself speak mm -hmm. and I just pray over it and meditate on it drink a sip, sip of coffee, meditate on it, drink another sip of and coffee. And the Holy Spirit started writing the message. Yeah, and it's just, yeah. you start to see things in there. And so from these six verses, you know, there were six things that, that, I, that I felt were there that were so applicable. Um, because, man, Esau just, he just made a boneheaded decision yep. in, a, in a moment of weakness. But, you know, um, well, I think I, I can maybe touch on this when we get to uh, the second point, but, but all six of these are so powerful. If you want to run through them real quick, because yeah. the, the first one was identify your vulnerable moments and we all have those vulnerable moments <laughs> and what makes us vulnerable for him. He was hungry yeah. and he was exhausted, right? Yeah. Um, I, I've shared with you, I, I try to put guardrails in my own life um, just about being alone. Yeah, because the devil or idle mind is truly the devil's playground. I believe that. Mm -hmm. And so, um, when is it? Is it when you're tired? Yeah, and you 
you feel like you deserve a break. Um, but if you don't identify your vulnerable moments, then then you have no foundation and you don't even stand a chance. Right. It, it's it's like um, if you if you don't realize, I have driven in South Africa. If I could just use this as an analogy, I've driven in South Africa, and in South Africa, you sit on the opposite side of the car. And you drive on the opposite side of the road. The wrong side, right? The, the wrong side. Yeah, that's well, right. they're on the bottom part of the earth. And so it's definitely the wrong side. It's upside down, down there. And so you drive on the opposite side of the road and you sit on the opposite, opposite side of the car. And when I first got to South Africa and I knew that I was going to be driving a mission team around with about six or seven people in the van with me. And so, you know what I did? I practiced. practiced yeah. I practiced. I drove up and down a long dirt road driveway. Was that weird, by the way? It was so weird because you imagine shifting with the opposite uh. hand, shifting gears. because There's a stick shift over there. But here's the thing. If you get ready to pull out in traffic and you don't know which way to look, mm. you're susceptible uh, to being slammed and ran into. And so when it comes to temptation, if you don't know where to look, then you're going to get hit. That's right. You're going to fall victim to temptation. And, you know, you mentioned exhaustion, but that, that's right there from the from the text. That's when um, once... Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. Mm-hmm. He was tired. And and I see so many times that, that and, and I listed several things quickly, but just some of those bullet points I had pointed down. One of them was depression and sadness. We, we start to feel like we, we, um, we owe ourselves something. Right. And, and it, it's usually in the form of some fleshly gratification of mm-hmm. some sort loneliness and that's what you're referring to you know whether it's be you know when you're home alone or when you're on a trip you know i I know men that will not travel alone when they go on a trip and i don't like to and Mm -hmm. i very very seldom ever go anywhere alone because i just don't want to fall victim to everybody's a vulnerable moment if you don't have a guardrail up absolutely you know i uh you know, even flying alone, I don't, I don't like to fly alone or, mm-hmm. or go stay in a hotel room alone. It, and it's very seldom that I ever do that. Um, angriness. Well, when you get angry. Mm. Well, and that's an easy one to, to justify, right? Yeah. I mean, I was angry. Yeah. Well, that doesn't make what you did right. Doesn't make that sin. I mean, Paul says, get right. angry. Don't sin. Don't sin anger. in the That's midst right. of your anger. And then there's that that pridefulness or overconfidence. Mm-hmm. I got this. And man, I see this so often with people, mm-hmm. especially those who have an addiction problem. They'll tell you, oh, I've, I, I got it. That that that, cl- that call there was just too close. I knew re- I know how close I was to, to going too far. And, and I, I got it. No, you don't. Yeah, no, denial. You don't. It's denial. Yeah. It's overconfidence. It's it's pridefulness, and then uh, man, with the wrong crowd, that was part of my story. Yeah, really. Oh, I mean, we say when we moved here fifteen years ago, we truly look back and say that we feel like um, God delivered us from toxic relationships. Wow. Yeah, and again, I'm glad to say that the majority of that crowd has found Christ. I mean, it's been so mm-hmm. cool to watch everybody grow up since then. But that season of life. 
Absolutely. The wrong crowd. My goodness. But say your your say, statement that you would tell your students all the time, which, by the way, I love what you said, is a true statement for adults as well. It is. Your friends will determine the direction and the quality of your life. And that that does not change when you become an adult. Facts. As a matter of fact, you justify your misbehavior when you're with when you're as an adult. Yep. And you justify it maybe under one of these other things. Right. Hey, I'm exhausted. I need some freedom. I need to have a night out on the town. I need to do this. And and, and you let your guard down when you're around certain people. And, uh, and man, it, it, that is so true for adults just as much, if not more so than it is for teenagers. Because mm-hmm. we, we, we're, so, we're so vulnerable. And, uh, and also, I think that bottom line, you know, weaken your faith from the neglect of church, your Bible study, your prayer, walking with other believers, maybe the neglect of being in a small group. I think there's there's healthy relationships that help us in our vulnerable, not not even just in a vulnerable moment, mm-hmm. but in a vulnerable season. Amen. Don't you think there's yep. times... I mean, is it, has your marriage just been perfect all the way through or were there times in your marriage where there might have been some vulnerable seasons yeah. in more your marriage? Than a, more than a night. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Or more than just a lonely day or a, a day of exhaustion. It's a season of life that marriage goes through that that you're that, that you need to be careful about. Amen. Yep. Yeah, I, I agree. hundred percent. Um, so, Go ahead. Well, I was just, you want to move to yeah, the second is, yeah. um, because this kind of jumped out at me at just our human nature. It says, identify your biggest temptations. And I kind of chuckled because when you're, when you're teaching this, this account of Esau and Jacob, I, I was like, what a goober. <laughs> this dude gives up his birthright, all of his inheritance for some like you said, lentil stew. <laughs> lentil I mean, stew. <laughs> it, but you know, I got to thinking, but it doesn't matter. That was his temptation. Yeah. And people could look at my temptations and go, what a goober. Right. Just like I could look at somebody else's and say, what a goober, because I don't struggle with that. Right. And you don't struggle with mine. You're not asking us to identify your neighbor's temptation. No, no. This is one of those gut check things. Yeah. I'm going to look in the mirror and say, we're not talking about Marty right now or Leah or anybody. What are Tommy's biggest temptations? Yeah. Do you want to share those with us? No. <clears throat> Please my, don't. My, my mic, Please don't. My, <laughs> you're preaching Sunday, so we don't want to know all no, that. <laughs> nope. But it does. It, again, it falls under one of those three things. And I even wrote this in my notes. I don't think I said it on Sunday. But our, our human nature will cause us to over-exaggerate our situation. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when you look at the text, he said, and Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew. I am exhausted. And and, and he was over exaggerating a moment. He he, thought he was going to die. He said, I'm about to die. I'm about to die. What good is a birthright? Yeah. And so the, uh, and, and when he said that, I wrote down, you know, we use hyperbole all the time. I'm starving to death. I'm about to die of thirst. I'm going to freeze to death. It's so hot out here. I'm going to burst into flames. Right. <laughs> it's, it's hot. So hot. Saw a little man in an orange suit burst into flames. <laughs> That's right. And so we, we use hyperbole. And I think that when it comes to temptation, we tend to use those over-exaggerations of our vulnerabilities mm-hmm. as a way of justifying right. illogical temptations and falling into those. Because I would look at your temptations, and I'm not sure if it's the same as mine, but but if it's different, I would go, how could you? Right. That's how right. could you sacrifice everything That's right. for that? Yep. But again, 
you gave a great promise, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation is common to man. And so whatever your temptation is, you're not alone. No. And then the amazing promise, but he will give you a way out. Yeah. And I believe he is the way he out. He is the way out. He That's right. He is the way out. And, uh, and I think that it's so important for us to identify what those biggest temptations that we are. And you got to be honest with yourself. That's right. You know, and then the next one was identify the enemy. Um, we don't have to hang, hang on to this one a long time. We know Satan. He's like a roaring lion. That's right. Looking to devour us. But, but I love that you got specific. And in this case, Esau's enemy was his own brother. Yeah. So, I mean, don't just be naive and say, well, I know that, that Satan's going to, he's my enemy, but again, get real, yeah. look around, who are you associating with? Right. And I don't know that I would go out, you know, when your friends call you up on Friday night, and go, ah, you're the enemy. You're my enemy. You're aren't my you? enemy. <laughs> and the pastor said on Sunday, you're the enemy. I don't know that I would say it that no, way. They'd say, well, I wasn't, but <laughs> now I am. Yeah. <laughs> and I got some things I want to share with people about you. But then you, you made a cool shift in the message at this point, I think. Okay. This was where, all right, this is good. Everybody knows these truths. Now let's get real because you said, what is your greatest desire? Mm -hmm. And that was more in the, the positive, affirmative, right. like what is it you're hoping to achieve in life? Yeah. And in the story, Esau said, I'm about to die. That's the mm -hmm. hyperbole, the, the craziness that he's thinking. And he said, well, what use is my birthright to me? And if I were looking at his story, I would think that A would lot. be the greatest yeah. use. I mean, that would be the greatest desire for the firstborn would be the birthright. Yeah. There was an inheritance writing on that. I mean, and, your grandfather was Abraham? Yeah. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's not just like, uh, here's an inheritance and go to Golden Corral. <laughs> that boy would be about to inherit a lot. <laughs> that I wouldn't mean, be a big enough inheritance to get me at Golden Corral. <laughs> I, I love what you said, though, that think about how it has changed. Um Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob yeah. is how we refer to it. What the God of four, Abraham, five Isaac, Jacob, thousand years ago, yeah, five thousand years later, instead of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau, yeah, yeah, that was big was shift, a, yeah, big shift, big shift, and and so I think that it it's a good exercise for us to simply take the time and write down a list of people that our sin would affect. Mm. Which was your next? You you identify well, potential losses? Yeah, but but I think in both of these they they kind of overlap a little they bit do. in that in my mind. Yeah, they work together. Yeah, they do because the next one, you know, so you identify your greatest desire for you know it should have been his birthright, but what is the potential loss? He lost that greatest desire. So mm -hmm. if if my um, family. You're not the only one affected. Right. That's right. right. There's so many people. And see, to me, I think this is a screaming endorsement for marriage. And again, maybe God's not going to call everybody to get married. Right. But I think one of the greatest benefits of marriage is it it forces you to become less selfish, mm -hmm. or it should. Right? So your greatest desire should include your spouse. But you're no longer living just for you. All right. And so anytime you think of a potential loss, it's not just you man, that, that family tree now has branches Oh yeah, and it might be generational branches yeah. that you've got to consider. Well, there's, there's generational branches, there's friendships that are Absolutely, affected. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I know if, 
I've watched people go through things and, you know, someone chooses sin over their, uh, you know, their, their uh, marriage. And not only is it affect them and their spouse and their children, but friendships are changed. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're no longer able to socialize the same that you once did with the people that you're friends with. And, and, a, and a single person, you know, your sin affects more than just you. That's right. There is a domino effect to all of that, that we need to take the time, identify what is your greatest desire, but also those potential losses. And then finish it up. Verse 34, uh, Esau despised his birthright. There was an indifference towards sin that is just mind boggling. And we can, again, it's one of those things that's easy to identify that indifference in other people, but we can quickly slip into indifferences in our own lives. And it is so important that we recognize it or when we recognize it in somebody that we care for, that we call them out on it. Hey, I just see you being indifferent towards some things. I'm going to share kind of how God's been working on me. I mean, I'm telling you, this message was so timely. I'm sure that the vast majority of people in the auditorium, if they were honest, would say it was a timely message. But for me, over the last couple of months, I have been under a high level of stress mm. um, for a multitude of reasons. I even a few weeks ago asked uh, a friend, you said you need to have that person. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, you said like Paul and Timothy. Yeah. And so I, I went to somebody and said, man, can you please be praying for me? Didn't give specifics. I just said, I don't think I'm handling my stress well. Mm. And, um, and so it's funny. A few weeks ago, I was walking out of the auditorium to go to the VIP room. And Sean got ready to pray. And so I didn't want to open the door while he was praying. So I was just kind of standing back. And I looked around the auditorium. It was an 11 o'clock service. And it was just one of those like out of body experiences almost like God just grabbed me. And all I could see was just hundreds and hundreds of people. And it was in that moment, I was like, man, you get to be a part of this. And I don't know why you choose to use somebody like me to help lead and shepherd these people. But I guarantee you there are countless people that would love this opportunity. Mm. But I I know you and I are very blessed to be able to do what we do. Yeah. But I think that we should all be able to hit pause and think and kind of look at our life and our circumstances we've been given. Yeah. And don't be indifferent about it. Right. So You texted me that afternoon, I think. Whoo, man. I think you did. I think you texted me and just said you, how much you counted as a yeah. blessing to be oh, a part of this, man. this well, team. So this 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 message this past Sunday was kind of an exclamation wow. point. So. Wow. And, you know, but sadly, you know, people, we get to a place where we start to think illogically. Mm-hmm. We think that a fair is worth more than our family. We think that making money is worth more than our integrity. We think that having power is more important than people and those that are drug addicts, they'll look and say that the drug and that next high is more valuable than their wife, kids and their family and their job and everything else in life. Drunkenness is more important than the sober mindedness. And I even put down that some people will think that a car payment is more important than fan- financial freedom, <laughs> you know, just getting a little a little practical there. But so many people, I mean, it's it's so sad that many of us get to a place where our spiritual legacy or things of spiritual value, we see those things with the same level of complacency as Esau did. It's easy to read this story. 
and go, how, what a moron. But my goodness, how many times do we see it? And how many times have we potentially been cl- so oh. close to the brink of that? If not uh, by God's life? grace. Yeah, oh, that's my goodness. A, that's yeah. a true statement. Well, I think we can end with hope like you ended your message, though, because hopefully this message catches people on the front side of a fall. Mm. Hopefully. Yes. But we've journeyed with enough people that it doesn't always. No. But I, I'm telling you, I love what you said. If you've already messed that up, the comeback is worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. It is. It is. So don't trade what you want most for what you want now. And if you have traded that, it is worth the effort to come back and do all that you can to regain that trust, regain that respect, that integrity, and uh, set those guardrails, those boundaries. And you listen, that's why you have pastors as well. Whether you're a, an attender of charity or not, you know, find a pastor that can that can help you on that comeback story. So anything you want to close with? Start a Christmas series this week. Hey, we which are. Which is crazy to You're think about. You're kicking it off. And he shall be called. Mm. And this week we're talking about? The wonderful counselor. It's going to be good. You don't want to miss this series. Christmas time is a great time to bring your unchurched friends and family to church with you. It's festive. The church is decorated pristine. It looks so good. So hopefully we'll see you here on Sunday. God bless.